HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Your love is chloroform perfume. Just one whiff and you start to swim. Welcome to Love Bites on Heritage Radio Network, where dining and dating collide in New York City. I'm one of your hosts, Jacqueline Raposo. I write about chefs and food culture. My work is collected on wordsfoodart.com, and you can get me on Instagram and Twitter as wordsfoodart. I'm 34, I'm straight, and I'm single. And I am your other host, Ben Rosenblatt. I am an actor, a writer, a musician, occasionally a bartender, and a server, and I give great back massages, ladies. (laughs) I didn't Uh, know that. Why do I not know that? I've never given you a massage before. Come closer, Ben. Ooh, all right. Yeah. Um, you can check me out at BenRosenblattActor.com. I'm 33 straight and also totally single. In a little bit, we're going to be joined by pastry st- pastry chef Stephen Colucci of Colicchio & Sons, one of the sweetest chefs in the entirety of New York City, according to moi. Um, but first, Ben, le- when we left you last week, you were going on a date with a woman who is in a relationship. Yeah. How did that go? <laughs> um, it was just okay. Was just, well, because I, I guess we should point out that like you were going knowing that she's in a relationship. Her and her boyfriend are in love, but they both see other people because they like the rush of it. And we sort of, I think by the end of last week, we're like, oh, you're going to go on a date with this woman and at least hook up or maybe have sex. Like, so Yeah, that didn't happen. No, that was happened. The, for the first disappointment. Well, I guess Aww. that was, the, that was the, la- the later disappointment. Oh, no. Um, you know, there just wasn't much chemistry did you physically, expect, did you expect her to be i like you know based on my limited rapport with her before we went out i envisioned her fantasized her about her as like someone who was sassy and sort of like stylish and sassy and sexy and she was not those things um, she was no she was very sweet very intelligent um, which was great, and we had some fascinating conversations, which was really, really nice. If if she was not in a relationship, is she somebody that, like, all right, you just said she's intelligent and sweet, and you had a good conversation. Is, is she somebody that you would have been interested in? Did you not have the expectation that, you know, of what she might have been or what you might have gotten out of it? 
No. Um, I think, actually, that I'm probably... This is terrible. Um, But I'm... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, the face you're making right now is darling. um, I probably am a little... Would be more interested in her because she's unavailable. We talked about this a little bit the last time, which is a little bit of a... uh, an issue for me, you know, I do tend to like chase after unavailable women, unfortunately. What do you, I mean, I could ask you what you think it is about unavailable women that you well, I will tell like. You. Okay. Um, it's, and we, again, we talked about this a little bit the last time, so I won't um, delve into it too much, but I think part of it is that there is, again, this fantasy that I was talking about at the beginning tends to happen that when someone is unavailable, the fantasy of them you can perpetuate your fantasy of them because you never are faced with the real reality of them. They're always kind of like just out of reach and therefore the knowledge of who they really are and what like a real relationship would be like with them is also out of reach. And so the fantasy of whatever I want it to be can mm. still exist. I, I sort of think that that sort of fantasy plays into even when you're dating somebody. I mean, because... I don't know. I was listening to uh, Dan Savage's Savage Love cast, and it was you know a woman called in who had been dating a guy for a month and a half, and she calls in sobbing, talking about how like this guy was her soulmate, mm. and she was heartbroken, and he wasn't ready, and I mean it, it was a really be- but but what he said to her, which I thought was really beautiful and smart. A he doesn't believe in soulmates, which is a whole another show completely. I don't either. I'm not sure I do either. Um, I don't, I don't know. It's a nice idea. But, um, I don't even believe in souls. But, ooh, ooh, ooh. It's, we're going to take a dark turn <laughs> on a Monday afternoon. Um, but, one, you know, but one thing he points out is like it's a month and a half. And in a month and a half, you're still projecting all of you know, this fantasy of this whole. So, so when you date somebody and actually go on dates with them for a couple weeks, like, do you, is it a different type of projected fantasy? Or, um, or is it because this one specifically, like you were like, oh, I'm going to look, it takes a long laid. time to get to know someone. And I mean, I, in the past, I've typically found that it's when I'm allowed to, hopefully your fantasy remains intact or for me, at least long enough for me to develop enough of an interest in who they really are. So mm-hmm. that once the fantasy is gone, I'm invested enough. Right. If the fantasy fades for me too fast, then I, I don't find the incentive, I guess, to want to continue investing because, like, the euphoric feelings aren't there. And the euphoric feelings are what are associated with the fantasy. And so I need those long enough, basically, to be able to become invested deeply enough in who they really are, if that makes any sense. So so from that, like, is there a point of you seeing... Are you going to see her again? We... She had mentioned that we, at the end of the date, that we should see each other again. How did she put it? How did she word it? She was like, well, I had a really lovely time. We should see each other next week. I mean, do these people not have friends? I mean, like, it's sort of, if you put out there on your OkCupid profile, I have a relationship, but my boyfriend and I like to sleep around because we think people are fascinating and hooking up with them. That's not exactly how she worded it, but okay, that's People are fascinating and making out with them is even something more, whatever, some of that, I don't know, the equivalent of that, like, 
Is it because they want friends or because the idea of hooking up with people is cooler? Are you asking for me to psychoanalyze her right now? No, I guess that's a good point. I guess I, I mean, don't I will. This. No. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, all it's right. It's one of so, my favorite pastimes. Okay, well, let's go to back. All right, Larry, let's go back though. So she said, I had a lovely time, Ben. I'd love to see you again. Like, is, I'm sure <laughs> I that's love your she... version of her. <laughs> well, she's such a ditz. Actually, she's kind of really? the opposite. She's she's super intelligent, which was fantastic. But she's kind how, of should like Should I say lax. it differently? Should I say like, oh, I, I had a really good time, Benjamin. And I had a, I don't, I that's it. your. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just gonna give you a bunch of different qualities and have you do it a bunch of different ways and just like. All right. Well, text, no matter what horrible way I say it, no matter what, what horrible way I say it, she had a lovely time and wants to see you again. Do you want to see her again? I. The one draw about potentially seeing her is that I might get to sleep with her. Do you still think that's on the table? Yes. I think it's yeah. Did she like? Did she touch your? Did she do any like the the things that evidently the internet says girls do if they're interested? They touch your leg and they play with their hair. Or, I don't know. I saw somebody on Twitter say that today. I was like, really? We're still there? Anyway, did right, she so, do any so of those? So she things? had this rule Uh-oh. where she doesn't drink at all on first dates. Okay. Did you find out why? Yes, because she told me. She said, "I don't drink on first dates because I'm a little bit of a lightweight." And after I've had even just one drink, I want to make out with everyone. Okay. So, and then she was like, by the second day, I don't mind. I'll, uh, you know, oh, so get. she put the little, she dangled the carrot. <laughs> she, yeah, she, she kind of did dangle the, the breadcrumbs. Bit. Um, but you but, seem hesitant. Well, you know, I'm just not even that interested in it. You know, it's like she, I'm not that attracted like it would feel it would feel really like desperate yeah it would (laughs) it would (laughs) and so i'm just trying not to like go there and then have those feelings about myself after it happens you know what i mean where it's like oh why did i do that all right has it has it have you learned anything from this experience about what you want or about the kind of i mean we're we're both online we both you know yeah both have a love hate thing not a love hate thing a tolerate hate thing with online dating yeah, I do um, hate online dating now. I hate it now too. I mean, I I, I I had boyfriends from it, but I'm just sort of like, Meh, I don't know. I'm tired. I'm just tired in general of oh. the internet, but um, <laughs> of online dating. No, it's I, so it gets so boring. I mean, I think I it has. I didn't. I don't know that I've necessarily learned anything from it, but I would say it confirmed something for me, which is that I do tend to chase after a feeling, and I didn't get that feeling with her. Have you always had that feeling with women who you've had relationships with, like ones that you've dated? Yes. So you've always had that like instant feeling about them. Yeah. Yes. For the most part, one of them was like a friend first. Right. Um, actually, a couple of people who I've had that feelings feeling for have been friends first. Right. But when I started dating them, or when somehow like the switch went off and it went turned from friendship to potentially something more. Then yes, it was definitely like I, you know, was infatuated. I wonder what that feeling. I mean, it, it's not just lust. It's not. Ju- I mean, I'm trying to think back because I think every guy that I've dated, I've had that feeling too. Like the guy I dated for ten years, I remember looking at him at the first day of class. Like the guy that I dated who I met online. Like as soon as he walked over, I was like, oh yeah, this is the guy. Like it's a fantasy, and it's a. F- Do you think we need that feeling? I mean, I can only speak for myself. I I want that feeling, uh. and I find myself probably to my detriment, unfortunately, valuing that feeling oftentimes more than I value 
the depth and complexity mm-hmm. of like a real lasting meaningful relationship which but is i think part of the reason real, why i'm single but you want a real lasting meaningful relationship i it, that sounds nice but i in actuality really want that euphoric feeling do you think a real lasting relationship could happen for you yes what do you uh, think needs to change about you to make that happen ooh, good question um Thank what i you. think needs to have change is that I need to deal with the fact, I need to live with the fact oh, alright, we can we're about to get serious here um, I mean, part of the problem for me with a real relationship and why that euphoric feeling is so powerful for me is that I have um, huge fears of hurting someone else and being a bad partner and being unfaithful and doing all these terrible things that I would never want to do to someone else and making someone feel terrible as a result of that. And so when I feel that great euphoric feeling, that fantasy, when I'm enthralled, the idea of doing something hurtful to someone else or any impulse or fantasy I have outside of the relationship doesn't exist. I'm totally focused on the person, the object of that fantasy, as opposed to when it's settled into an actual relationship and like every relationship has your eyes wander a little bit. You, Mm. you know, you start finding other people attractive. You start wondering what it might be like to sleep with someone else or whatever. Then I experience extreme self-loathing over those impulses. Even if I don't even act on them, I just like, don't like the way so you're like I've, an all or nothing person. I kind like of you am. You sort of want it to be all, and if it's not, then I all then I feel you, like that's then... somehow a sign that the relationship isn't going to be good, or that I'm not going to be good in the in the relationship, which is not actually true, but that works on me in that way. And so, what I actually need to do to answer your question is to live, learn to live with some of those negative feelings I have about myself when I'm in a relationship, um, and you know in my mind somehow being unfaithful even though I'm not if that makes any sense it does um, before the show we were talking about vulnerability and baggage and I think this is a good place to leave off with saying I think next week we're going to talk about vulnerability and baggage like the things that we do that sort of get in our own way and the fears that we have especially when you're single or you're going into new relationships or why maybe things have ended in the past so on that very poignant, beautiful little discussion. Thank you for sharing that with me, Ben. Happy to. I appreciate it. I think we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about sugar and wedding cakes and sweet, fun things with my friend Stephen Colucci. We will be right back.
Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. And we are back. And now we'd like to welcome pastry chef Stephen Colucci to the studio. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you're here. Um, so Stephen and I met a couple years ago when through Twitter we were connected. I don't remember how. And mm-hmm. I interviewed him. His interview became what I pitched for my very first food interview column for Serious Eats. It was called We Chat With. He was my very first. And on an early December blustery day... During our interview, he told me that he was going to propose to his girlfriend on Christmas Eve. I think you screamed at that point. I did. Oh. I like. I, I was like, ah, ah, what, I don't know, whatever. I'm, my acting is horrible today. <laughs> whatever. I did a very girly thing. Um, and we talked about that for a little while. And we went back to business. And then, like a week later, Stephen emailed me. He's like, it's okay if you say no, but you know, could you maybe like give me a transcript of the interview? And on Christmas Eve, I'll give it to my girlfriend, Julie, and she'll read it. And then when she gets to the point where I say I'm going to propose, I'll be there with a ring. And that all happened. And then... Yeah, it did. That all happened, and yeah. you got married, and I feel very cheesily sentimental <laughs> about you for those reasons. It's Steven. kind of awesome, because I feel like for a lot of big, important things in my life, through my job, or for one way or another, there's, like, documentation. So it was kind of amazing that, like, I mean, I have, like, tangible proof. Proof, We yeah. have this wrinkled, tear-stained interview from ah, you. <laughs> and then it went into the interview. That, Absolutely. Like, you know, his little footnote in the interview. Um, so... Stephen also helped me make a wedding cake last year. I flew mm-hmm. to the tiny little island of St. Croix to make a wedding cake for my girlfriend when she asked me, you can't say no to the bride, and so I panicked. And I employed three of New York City's pastry chefs, best pastry chefs, to help me make it. If you search on SeriousEats.com for how three of New York City's best pastry chefs helped me make a wedding cake, something like that, you'll find the four-part <laughs> series. So I know... The crap that I went to being a complete novice of making you, you gave me recipes. Mm -hmm. You were at the other end of the Twitter, Twitter sphere and my phone. And, um, and I made a wedding cake and it worked and I know what went wrong for me. You made your own wedding cake. Did any shit go wrong for you with making your own wedding cake? Um, Like Mr. Super professional. Like, was there any panic moment where something was like, there were a, couple touch and go moments I think well the big thing is that you know I think the wedding is so much more focused on the bride in general so mm-hmm. I mean Julie did everything but there wasn't like there wasn't you know a, on you because you were the pastry chef fiance we did have one cake. moment where we were it was actually the day before the wedding when the cake was in transit and you know I had a go over the top so our cake was seven tears because <laughs> oh my I can't god imagine. because I, I like to punish myself I, oh my god well so now we're trying tears. to get the seven tier monstrosity into the back of my car and your I'm, car you didn't even like it was like mr colicchio can i no, steal a van no i should have i feel I like sh- that should be a perk I of your i feel like job. when my last name is so close i just like to pretend i'm one no. of the sons i know colicchi colicchio so but easy. the top of the very tip top of the cake snapped off while we were getting into <gasps> the trunk oh no <laughs> but i feel like at that point like julie knew me well enough so she just like didn't talk she, like, and my sister was like don't talk so wait, yeah, did, you get, did you get it back on or did we, you we, go yeah, to six tiers we, we, no there was, <laughs> okay. was like all right it's a six i meant six tiers i made an extra one in case we, we, we made it work out it was fine i mean you know how did you so you just like took a flower from here yeah we spackled it yeah i mean yeah and it was fine uh and the day of there were a couple little pieces we noticed that were a little misplaced so we fixed that up but but no big hitches but I, again like i didn't have this huge to-do list so 
so I really focused a lot of my time on making the wedding cake and I didn't have to run around too much beyond that because Julie was really great about it. Okay, so tips to people at home, do not make the wedding cake maybe if you're the bride. And I've had <laughs> friends that are the bride and of course in the pastry circle and they don't do it. My, my yeah. good friend Allie is an amazing cake decorator and I did her cake last April right. and I felt so much pressure too. She's like, I don't trust anybody else. I want you to do it. And I was <laughs> no like, I hate you, anything. but I will yeah. do it. Aww. Um, so... You sent us a quote uh, for our website, lovebitesradio.com, that uh, where you said, sorry, you said, I think it takes a certain type of personality to be able to handle the weight of it all with being mm-hmm. a pastry chef. So I describe you as one of the sweetest chefs in New York City because, you know, you've got this book, Lazed, Filled, Sugared, and Dipped, this mm-hmm. amazing donut book. Everybody go to Amazon and buy it. It is so much fun. It's very colorful and it's so friendly. Sounds more like a sex tape to me. It with does. The name, I might, I might I be guiding you to Stephen's sex tape. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's a whole accoutrement <laughs> section of that. You there don't is. have to pair it with donuts. You could partner Ooh. sauces and such elsewhere, I Ooh. suppose. That's now, I'm never going to look at the book the same way. <laughs> that book might move from the living room bookshelf into my bedroom bookshelf. <laughs> or you could buy another copy and you have one in each room. Perfect. He's a very smart businessman. He's completely just like jacked up the numbers for his book. Um, So yeah, so I I call you the sweetest chef in New York City. Uh, But it obviously takes a lot to run a kitchen. So what what does it look like when you've got to like, you know, throw the shit down or like what's the dark side of... Um, Stephen you know, Colucci's leadership skills. I, I, gosh, I, I don't know that everybody would call me so sweet. Um, I, I think I'm a little salty sometimes. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, um, so what is I want to see that side. I know. I, I've never seen that too in four years. For those of you who aren't sitting in this room, which is everyone except us, <laughs> everybody else, Stephen is just the most like gentle, sweet. Like he's got this like amazing. <laughs> Genuine smile on his face of right now. Of course, his wife like, Julie is here, and I think her smirk is like, oh. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I've seen this salty. Yeah, well, she. I mean, she. Has, my my mom always said my grandfather would describe Julie as having a little ginger behind her eyes. <laughs> I think that's why we both get along so well because that little spicy side. Yeah. Um. You know. Again, it's not Saturday night service in November, but um. In general, I think it takes a certain personality to be a chef. Um, you have to have a thick skin. You have to be able to take criticism. You kind of have to roll with the punches. Um, and that's definitely true for me, uh, absolutely. But I think uh, when I say like a certain type of personality, you have to be mentally tough. And I don't think that um, – I don't – you know, to be able to balance the work life – it, it's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it takes a certain personality to be able to juggle all those things and um, handle all of it. And I think the rest of my quote, too, is saying it takes a certain type of personality to um, be in a relationship with somebody as well. Um, because, I mean, I, I remember I was dating uh, not like anything serious, but I was dating one of my sister's friends, actually. And my schedule is very specific. You know, I was like, these are my two days off a week, almost every week. Um, and, you know, I remember her saying something to the effect of like not feeling that I was worth it to put wow. up with that kind of a schedule. And I remember Julie and I started dating and we started getting a little serious. And I remember her saying something like, um, if I saw you half as much as I do now, like you'd still be worth it. Oh. Um, <laughs> Come on. Um, do you remember saying that? Probably oh, not. <laughs> um, I remember it. But um, so I do that think so it, takes, it takes somebody that is um, very headstrong, I think. And you have to be able to handle stress well. And um, I think even just from being in a relationship with Julie, like we both learned we handle stress very differently and that was really eye-opening for me and um, how do you handle stress I, I bulldoze right I still want it. the dark side I still want <laughs> I, I want to know what happens when I, bu- I bulldoze right through it drops a spatula in uh, your kitchen there's you know there's some swearing my mom yeah. might download this later so I'm not gonna right. iterate anything <laughs> except there was one time I, I did tell Julie I think I was on the phone with my mother in the kitchen line um, and it was brunch and 
someone was burning toast. And I think I screamed out, well, someone watch the effing toast. <laughs> and my mother was like, oh, <laughs> okay. You know that word, son. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I always do everything with a smile on my face. And I think for me in the kitchen too, I think, um, you know, positivity, negativity in life too are very contagious. And so when you have a smile on mm. it, it's contagious, just like when you have a frown. Aww. And so I always feel like if my Sweat team, like <laughs> if my team sees that I'm like cracking around the edges, it only is going to promote some sort of anxiety and, and right. downfall. So, um, even if I'm like completely sweating and like dying on the inside, I would never let anybody show that. And that's kind of how I am in, in all aspects of my life. That does take toughness. Yeah. Like, and you have be- such a healthy mental perspective yeah. here and such like a, um, it's amazing. I'm, I'm curious. We've talked, I mean, I'm an artist. We've had another, uh, chef on the show we've had a bartender who is an artist and and i consider chefs to be artists as well absolutely and you know so far every artist we've had on the show has had their own like issues with relationships and i think artistic people do sometimes have like a tendency to like have trouble with relationships i'm curious how you have been able to manage being a successful artist and having such a successful relationship and being a family man um, I do think part of it is the counterpart to me. So in this case, obviously, it's Julie. But um, just the support. Support is huge. And I'm really blessed with having a great family. And then finding a partner who is supportive of my dreams and, and I guess kind of looking at the bigger picture. Um, and just from being in a relationship with Julie, too, like I, I've, I've learned a lot about myself. And, you know, we're saying like the dark side of me. Um, I'm very quick, or at least at the beginning of our relationship, I was very quick to get angry. Like if Julie was upset about something, um, I would get angry about like, why are you upset? Because in my workday life, mm. that is my go-to. Like right. something's wrong, so I'm going to get pissed Fix off. Fix it, yeah. But you can't do that in a relationship. And it actually took for for us. She had to tell me, like, you know, I'm nervous to tell you when something's bothering me because you get angry immediately. Wow. And and it, and I after like three or four times of like going through that and specific examples, I was like, wow, she's right. That is my go-to. Um, and I think I remember her saying a lot, like, imagine if the roles were reversed. And I never did that ever before she said that. And then I, you know, I remember one specific thing I did. I flipped the, the page. I was like, okay, what if I was her? And I was like, oh, I would be just as mad or just as upset as she is. So it really like took me, I, I, it seems kind of lame, but like I would take like 10 seconds or a minute after we'd be having some sort of an argument, like, all right, don't react. Just like think right now. And it's, it's yeah. huge. Good so Julie's got ovaries. I'm trying to say ovaries instead of balls. So be like, <laughs> Julie's got balls. Like, Julie's got ovaries. Like, that's because yeah, I think ovaries, it takes a lot, yeah. especially with chefs who are notorious for, yeah, being sort of demanding and you know it does and good on you for being able to hear that and to recognize that and I think at the same time I think Julie probably sometimes is quick to let like certain things go that she probably would have held on to before so um, I think it's definitely been learning for both of us but it was kind of interesting to see how my work life was spilling over into my personal life um, because again like my instant the the knee jerk reaction is to get angry and to yell and demand something and mm. you can't do that in a healthy relationship. Well, and and speaking of healthy relationships and not reacting to things, you guys are going to have a baby. We are having a baby. You're yeah. having a baby. So <laughs> congratulations. Thank you very much. We're so very excited. Is there anything um, that you're afraid of? I mean, I'm sure there's like a trillion things that you're both excited and afraid of. But is there anything you are particularly afraid of about how your work is going to affect? You know, now you don't only have a wife that sure. you're going to have to listen to her stuff being like, hey, do this better. But soon you're going to have a kid who's going to sure. you know, want you more than you might be able to be 
Sure. Not to bring it to a dark place so quickly. <laughs> but, you know, like, is there any battle plan you're sort of, you know, preparing for? Um, you know, I'm I know pretty, it's early, too. Well, it's but. kind of, I mean, I remember when Julie and I were dating, too, and we got really serious and we were, you know, in love. And I remember saying, you know, you're like the best and the worst thing that happened to me because before meeting Julie, my only passion and my real focus was, was work. Um, and then I kind of had to figure out how to balance the two. And obviously now we're throwing something even more into the mix. Um, you know, I I think I had put this maybe in something I had sent you before. Like, I'm not going to let anybody tell me that I can't have it all. Um, I'm not a big believer in, in that can't mentality. Um, I'm pretty headstrong. And, again, I have a good support system. Um, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I, I you know, was worried that I'm going to miss things. And yeah. um, But beyond that, like, I want to make sure that Julie can be there for all those things and, um, and that we can provide good things for our child and future children and if that requires me missing things to work to bring in a paycheck or, or whatnot like I'm okay with that at the end of the day and you know my dad um, he's a principal and um, you know he was there for a lot of um, not for our back to school nights but back to school nights for hundreds and hundreds of other kids um, and I was telling Julie this too like I you know I remember my dad missing something here and there but he was always there for the important stuff and I knew that he always wanted to be there but I don't have any kind of hard feelings like he did what he had to do there, to support yeah. us and um and, uh, you know, hopefully my children or and Julie, like, know that and, and you know, get that at some point. But mm-hmm. um, like I said, I'm I'm willing and very headstrong. And I, I think that I will going to have it all. I, 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 yeah. I'm not going to anybody tell me otherwise. That so. is so amazing. It's so healthy and so refreshing. And uh, I have to say, I can't wait until. We get you off the show, and we get a, like another delinquent like me in here, <laughs> so I can better. feel like a decent human being again. Whereas I'm all oohs and ahs <laughs> over here. I'm so well, you'll believe you in here. souls by the end of this. I promise you. Oh, thank you, thank you. We're gonna take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back with a listener asked question to wrap things up. still paying attention are you there hello 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 i'm talking to you hi hey this is jack insley i'm the executive producer here at heritage radio network i've been here at the station since 2009 and i cannot believe just how much this network has grown over that time we've been able to grow because of donations from people like you so if you're enjoying this if you laughed if you learned something contribute anything a dollar two dollars ten dollars a hundred dollars a thousand dollars anything counts and trust me we'll appreciate seeing your name come through on the donations so consider visiting heritageradionetwork.org click on that little beating heart the donate button and show us you care thanks for listening i hope you enjoy the rest of the show okay we're back and we're just going to wrap things up really quickly with a question from a listener this one's from tom here's his question so I really like this girl, but we don't see eye to eye at all on food. I want to take her out on a nice date, but she's a vegan, gluten-free, doesn't drink, or eat onions. Onions! What the fuck? Should I just give up here, or is there some place I can take her where she will feel comfortable and I won't have to eat after again? Steven, why don't you take this? 
Uh, I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to how important food is in your relationship. So uh, obviously for me in my dating life, it's, 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 it's a big thing. Um, <laughs> and it sounds like it, it kind of is that way for Tom. So, I mean, if it's a big red flag for him, this might be time to bow out. Um, I think it also kind of, uh, is dependent on this, this, this woman, you know, is it a, a huge thing to her or is it kind of like where she's like, Oh, no big deal. We'll go wherever. But I mean, if it's to the point where he's going out and, you know, binging on in and out afterwards, I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's, there's a little bit of a problem. Yeah, totally. You, you know, I think it just depends on like, also like how is everything else? Right. What is everything else? Yeah, that's true. You mean like, in the relationship yeah, or the food relationship? In, in the relationship, you know, like how does he feel about her elsewise? You know, there's some people for me who it's like one issue. You know, I dated these two different girls and they both presented me with like the same issue, right? This one thing that was like maybe going to be a deal breaker. And for one, it was totally a deal breaker. And for the other, for the other one, it was like, oh, I don't care. I'm, I was like so into her like that this one thing didn't matter, you know? So Yeah, and I guess it also depends on how much, I mean, this person, Tom, seems to also really love food. I think it also depends on how much you love it. Like, I dated, I had an ex who notoriously burnt toast, but he was still really into it because I was into food. Like, the first time I made gluten-free crepes, he came over to the stove and told me he loved me for the first time because he was so happy that I was like, oh my God, they work. I, I think one other piece too is like, what is she like about the issue? Is she like demanding that he only eat right. at places is where it's Is it a health vegan? issue or is it just like... Is her, she like a snob about things? She is things, snob about and is it. she like going to judge him for eating meat or drinking or whatever right. he wants, doing he, whatever he wants to do? Could All right, with only knowing what we know from this question, let's take a vote. Would you dump this person or not? Oh, I would dump her. I'm sorry. I'm I out. think wow. I would, too. I think I would, too. I'm the most cynical one here. And <laughs> I know, I'm but, like, oh, but, you're, but we're would... both more in the food field than you are. Like I love our, good food. I know, but our careers are I feel like I accommodate you know, in the like... restaurant all the time that I probably would not want to accommodate outside of the restaurant. Right. I mean, like, and, and I'm, I'm one really of those people. Like, I've been glu- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been gluten-free for over 20 years, but I still, like, I will eat anything I can eat. And the whole idea of being vegan and gluten-free at the same time, like, oh, my God, what does she eat? I don't know. All right, so so it's two against one, Tom. If she's good in bed, Ben says keep her around. <laughs> Hold on, wait. We've got Julie in the studio. Can you just give us a nod? No, oh, Julie she says she's gone. Out. All right, too. she's All gone. Right. She's so, done. I guess yeah. I'll just like you know. Well, thanks, Tom, for sending us here. your questions. You can send your questions in to our website, lovebitesradio.com. Um, thanks so much for listening. Stephen, thank you so much for thank being you for here. Having me. That is our show today. Um, please check us out on iTunes. You can subscribe now to our podcast, Love Bites, on iTunes. You can hear us here at heritageradio.com or at lovebitesradio.com. Our engineer today was Liz Smith. Thank you, Liz. Uh, today's break music was provided by Trainwreck. Our theme song is Chloroform Perfume, performed by my co-host Ben Rosenblatt and his band No Denial. Our sponsor today is Roberta's and thank you listener for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends to subscribe to the show on iTunes and feel free to get in touch with us at heritageradionetwork.org Next up, a short clip of Roberta's Radio, another great show found right here on Heritage Radio Network. We will see you next week. Bye. Most taxidermists, no one is on the animal's side more than a taxidermist. Right. They're just obsessive. Brant McDuff teaches listeners about taxidermy and all of its heroes on episode 149 of Gunwash.
when they were doing the Museum of Natural History and they were setting up the dioramas, there was one particular diorama that had uh, these geese, and uh, they they set up the diorama. Someone's doing the background, like painting the background and setting up the plants, and you know they've got a botanist doing the plants. They got the taxidermist setting the geese. They've got an artist painting the background, and. Uh, all of a sudden, it's this big joke that the sun is in the wrong place for the direction that the geese are flying for the time of year portrayed by the foliage. Yeah, but that's the Natural so, Museum of History. Wow. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 But that, right. I mean, most people walking by that would have no, no zero, clue. no clue. But no. in the museum, of course, it's a huge show. You're like, hey, did you see which way the geese are flying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't that awesome, um, ridiculous. So, actually, so you know the mountain gorilla. Uh, diorama, the Carl Ackley is buried in the exact spot in Africa that the gorilla uh, diorama is what? showing. So this guy, actually, oh, wow! So this yeah. guy, Carl, Car- Carl Ackley, Ackley, yeah, he's like t- tax. In other words, or tax Ackley, in- it's yeah. it's debatable. A uh, a leopard attacked him once, and uh, he. He threw his arm in front of his head to protect his neck from getting bitten by the leopard. And uh, so this leopard has his arm, and the only thing he can think to do, because he's not going to wrestle his arm away from a leopard, is he jams his fist further down the leopard's throat. Right. Wow. To try and suffocate him. That's pure adrenaline. That's pure, and badass. Yeah. Yeah, he, Punk was, rock. he was happened. a tough guy. Um, he'd been trampled by elephants, had like almost all of his bones broken by and he elephants. Uh, oh, yeah, he taxidermied him. Yeah, sent him off to a oh, natural history museum. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because back, you know, now he's seen as this sort of god of natural history. You know, he's not a. Back then, it was very common practice for a museum to send their naturalist, to send their taxidermist off on these hunting expeditions to bring back specimens to put in the museum. If you like weird radio like this, Gunwash is for you. All episodes available on heritageradionetwork.org and iTunes.